Welcome to episode 46 of the first 40 miles. If you're new to backpacking, or if you're hopelessly in love with someone who wants you to love backpacking, then this podcast is for you. We'll talk about the essentials, how to lighten your load, and how to make the most of your time on the trail. I'm your host, Heather Legler. And I'm Josh Legler. And this is The First 40 Miles. Today on The First 40 Miles, when dreams of a toasty fire turn to sour grapes, You'll learn five ways to deal with canceled campfires. Then, on the Summit Gear Review, instead of reviewing the latest piece of gear, we're bringing back a 29-year-old classic that's trail-beaten and is still trail-worthy. For the Backpack Hack of the Week, the ugliest snack ever. And we'll wrap up the show with a little trail wisdom from a guy who apparently does not own a van, we found out. All this, and that's about it, today on The First 40 Miles. We're getting ready for our annual week-long backpacking trip with friends. This year, we're going to the Wallawas in northeastern Oregon. We're recording this episode just four days before leaving for the trip. But by the time the episode airs, the trip will have already happened. And if you follow us on Facebook or Twitter, you can check out pictures and and experiences and things that we shared while we were on the trip. But right now, we're still getting ready for the trip at the time that we're recording this podcast. Just a couple nights ago, we went out for a walk and we talked a little bit about what excites us about our trip coming up. And we also looked back a little bit to what excited us about the trip we did a year ago around Mount Hood. And uh, Heather, I asked you, what sparked you to go? What was it that really gave you that fire to go on that trip last year? So what sparked me last year was the idea that this was going to be an authentic outdoor experience. We'd done car camping as a family, and I always just kind of felt like... I don't know, claustrophobic because there were tents and people just all over in these campsites. Plus, there were semis rumbling by at 11 o'clock at night, sometimes even later than that, it felt like. And I just felt like it was never a true wilderness experience. And for some reason, I just really craved that and always have just wanted to be totally separate from the rumbling of humanity, just all the noise and the madding crowd, I guess. And then for this year, I think the thing that sparked me the most is that I've had this year of intense preparation, of intense learning, and I really just want to test my skills and see if all of this book learning and these little trips that we've done have prepared me for this bigger trip. The other day I was at a local park with the kids, and our youngest, who's you know in elementary school, took me to this area of the park where there's a creek, which is dry right now, and some woods. And it had these little trails, you know, 50 feet, a couple hundred feet long. And he loved taking me through these trails and in and out of these little tiny woods. And to him, that was exploring a whole new place. And it brought back memories for me. That's what I loved as a kid in elementary school, just exploring these little places that at the time to me seemed so large. And what I really like, what really sparks me about backpacking is that I can go out and I can explore a place and it's on adult scale. I can explore a place where the trails are miles 
and the mountains are thousands of feet instead of just 10 or 20 feet. And I can feel like a kid again, being in a situation where I feel boundless. So that's what I'm really excited about. We'll be in a whole new place. I've never been to the Wallawas before, so it'll all be fresh and new and I can explore. So are there any ways that you feel unprepared for this trip? I feel uneasy about the temperature. I always sleep cold. You know, unless it's like 70 degrees out at night, I'm cold. That's what it seems like to me. So I have a 20 degree sleeping bag, and we know that the lows in Joseph, the nearest town, are going to be in the low 30s. So we're going to try to figure out what that means a couple thousand feet higher elevation. But I'm guessing that it's going to freeze at night. And for me, in a 20 degree bag, uh, if the temperature is 30 degrees, I'm going to be cold for sure. I do have a really nice Thermarest sleeping pad that's going to give me an R value of over 5. So I think that'll make a big difference, but I've never used it before. So I'm also trying to figure out what extra clothing I should bring. And that's the part I'm still working on. How about you? Well, I'm not as much nervous about the trip as what I'm leaving behind at home. We recently moved and we're leaving all of our kids with um, a relative and there's just a lot of uh, loose ends at home and uh, messes and things that aren't unpacked yet and so yeah there's a little bit of chaos that I'm leaving behind but I guess that's good the fact that I'm leaving it behind is good when I come back it'll still be here but I'll have a week of solitude and some time to kind of think think without interruption which definitely I need a little bit of that in what ways do you think you're more prepared for this trip this year? Um, well, rain gear, for sure. That was, <laughs> oops, last year. I guess more familiarity with my gear. Now I think I have a little bit better idea of where things are, how things are laid out. I've gotten really familiar with my pack and its contents over the last year. I definitely feel more prepared that way. So what are you hoping for on the trip? I'm really looking forward to some breathtaking scenery that I've never seen before. I'm bringing the camera, I'm bringing an extra battery and a charger. So I'm really excited about that. The other thing I'm really excited about is that this trip has a zero day in the middle. A zero day is a day where you do no hiking. You just spend two nights in the same location. So that will be Wednesday. Now we are going to hike on Wednesday. We're gonna summit Eagle Cap, but that's a day hike up and down. That means on Wednesday, we don't have to take down our tents. We don't have to put our tents back up in the evening. I think we're going to have a lot of extra time that day just for some leisurely activities. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to the campfire chatter. Even though we don't get a campfire, we have a couple new people coming with us on the trip, and I'm really looking forward to hearing stories from them and uh, their experience. One of the guys who's coming is a cartographer. And so he has, I'm sure, tons of stories. So I'm just going to keep my mouth shut and listen to adventure stories. Well, I can't wait. Four more days. It's going to be so fun to be out there with you. You mentioned campfire chats without the campfires, and that is because there is a burn ban in effect. There's a wildfire. Well, I don't want to say raging anymore, but there is a wildfire nearby, and that takes us to our top five list for today. The top five things to do when campfires are banned. This has been the summer of no campfires, so we've kind of had to figure out how to make it still fun. I mean, campfires really are kind of the, 
the soul or the heart of the campsite. Everyone gathers around, everyone tells stories, everyone eats their dinner around the campfire. But um, there are some things that you can do when campfires are banned. The number one for you hopeful people out there is to check the fire report and then check it again. Just because fires were banned last week or last month doesn't mean that they're banned this week. And the fire marshal is the guy that makes that decision for the area. If you're wondering how fires get their rating system, there is a website that we will have in our show notes that you can click on and kind of see the different levels of fire danger ratings. And you can find the show notes for this episode at thefirst40miles.com slash 046. If you're going to be camping in national forests, then you can call the office, the head office, where you'll be staying, and they can probably give you a little more detail or let you know if there's any last-minute change. You can get up-to-date information from them and also from the website. The number two thing that you can do when campfires are banned is to create the ambiance without the flames. One of the magical things about fire is light. Now, before you throw your headlamp into the empty fire pit, there is this great little product called Luminade. It's a pouch light. It didn't say lemonade. I said Luminade. And you blow it up and it's this little pouch, like a little pillow that has a solar powered light. And once you inflate this little pillow, the light is completely diffused. So you don't get that blinding headlamp and you can set that on the ground or in the campfire that's empty and cold and you have this glow and it at least illuminates the faces of the people around you without blinding them and gives you something to gather around. It puts out light for, I think about six hours on the highest setting. So you get quite a bit of burn time and it's all solar. The Luminade is about three ounces, and it also works if you just want to hang it in your tent for a nice soft glow inside of your tent. It's like a high-tech Chinese lantern. Luminade, by the way, is spelled L-U-M-I-N-A-I-D. Of course, we'll have a link to it in our show notes, so you can grab it there. Once you get the light lit, you can do games, stories, passing around food, telling jokes. (laughs) Whatever it is you do around the campfire. And I want to add, don't be afraid to go dark as well. So you can't have a campfire. Maybe that's a great opportunity to tip your head back a little bit and realize how many stars there are up in the sky. It will blow you away if you have only looked at the stars from your house in the city. When you get out in the wilderness and look at the stars, it's a whole different experience. The number three thing to do when campfires are banned is be sure to stay dry. Splashing in that stream midday may seem like fun, but as the weather cools at night, the last thing you want is wet clothing that you can't dry around a campfire. So be sure to stay dry. And on a related note, tip number four is to stay warm. If you're not going to have a campfire, bring a little bit of extra clothing so you can bundle up at night. You're not going to have that extra radiant heat to... uh, kind of warm you up before you jump into your sleeping bag. Yeah, and I'm actually bringing a little hand warmer on our upcoming trip just in case I need just a little bit of extra warmth at night. Another thing you can do is to fill a water bottle with some hot water. However, 
There's also the risk of that kind of popping open and leaking in the middle of the night, and I just don't even want to go there. So I'm bringing a little tiny hand warmer just as, I guess, a security blanket, a little extra warmth. And another way to stay warm that some people overlook is to simply move. So if you're getting cold, or say it's in the morning, you get up for breakfast and your fingers can hardly move because you're so cold, take a little run for five minutes. Come back, you'll be warmed up enough to function. And the number five thing to do when campfires are banned is pat yourself on the back. Principle number five of Leave No Trace talks about campfires. And so if you don't even light a campfire, you're leaving a little less behind. You're creating less scarring on the land, which is what principle five is about in Leave No Trace. It's talking about responsible campfires, but if you don't even light one, guess you can give yourself a thumbs up. Not that campfires are bad. But they leave an impact. They do. And depending on your approach to the campfire, that impact could last a really long time. If you want to learn more about principle number five of Leave No Trace, we'll have the link in the show notes. And of course, while you're at it, you could check out all the other principles of Leave No Trace. Today for the Summit Gear Review, we are reviewing the Thermarest Ridge Rest Sleeping Pad. Having insulation beneath you when you're sleeping is a necessity of backpacking. Whether you're sleeping on the ground or sleeping in a hammock, a sleeping pad will insulate your backside from the chilling ground or from the wind that goes underneath a hammock. So no matter what your sleeping bag is rated for, you still need a sleeping pad. The insulation in sleeping bags is really only meant to insulate the top of you. The insulation in the sleeping bag that's underneath you gets compressed by your body weight and has pretty much no effect. So you need that pad underneath, which is built of a different material and isn't going to compress under the weight of your body. The Thermarest Ridge Rest is an absolute workhorse in the world of backpacking. It's such an enduring piece of gear that you will never regret buying it. It's sturdy, it's effective, and it has been the go-to lightweight pad of countless backpackers, Josh being one of them. I mean, this pad has been around for 29 years, and you have owned a Ridge Rest for 20 of those 29 years, and it's still, it's still there. I mean, it's all in one piece. It's completely functional. It's fantastic. When I was a teenager, I dug into my parents' backpacking gear and just sort of borrowed whatever they had. So I had their old external frame packs, and these sleeping pads that were made of open cell foam, you know, the yellow stuff, encased in a nylon cover. And these things were worn out. So I needed to buy a sleeping pad for myself. I got the Ridge Rest. I think I've had it for 25 years. I must have bought it just a couple years after it came out. And it's one piece of gear that I haven't replaced yet. I, I don't take it on every trip anymore but it's still used within our family. So this is a closed cell foam pad. And the thing that makes it unique from the the cheap blue pads that you can find at any big box store is that it has ridges to trap the heat. And the newer versions of the Thermarest Ridge Rest actually have an aluminized side to reflect your body's heat back to you. For utility, this is a 2.8 R-value pad, which means that it should get you through most three-season backpacking. And like we said before, it's rugged and durable. I mean, you can't pop this. It's one of those pieces of gear that you will probably have forever because it's just a great go-to pad. 
It weighs 14 ounces for the regular size, although I weighed the one that we have and it's 13 ounces. So I don't know if over the years it's kind of lost a little weight, you know, after being kind of nicked and bumped and I don't know. Possibly. But anyway, ours weighed in at just 13 ounces. We have the regular size, which measures 20 inches by 72 inches. The larger size is about five inches wider and five inches longer. And the small size is quite a bit smaller. It's still 20 inches wide, like the regular, but it's 48 inches tall. So it might be a good one for a child. As far as maintenance goes, no patch kit needed. I suppose if you wanted to baby it and wipe it down with a microfiber cloth every time you use it, you could do that. But as far as I know, we have not performed any maintenance on it. We haven't gotten it detailed or anything like that. The ridges don't really accumulate stuff. For investment, this pad costs about $30. You can actually find three different models of the Ridge Rest pad. The one that's $30 is the one that has the aluminized coating on one side to reflect heat back to you. It has an R value of 2.8. You can also find what's called the Ridge Rest Classic. And it's $10 less, only $20, although I found lots of places online that were selling it for $15, which is only a few dollars more than the uncomfortable blue pads that you get from the big box stores. This is going to be way more comfortable for just a few dollars more. It has an R value of 2.6, just a little bit less than the 2.8 of the aluminized one. And there's one more option. It's the Ridge Rest Solar which costs $45 and has an R value of 3.5. Now that one weighs more. It's 19 ounces instead of 14 ounces. So they simply made it thicker to up the R value. Josh and I were on a backpacking trip and I took the cheap blue closed cell foam pad and he took his classic Thermarest Ridge Rest and I experienced bruising on my hips that first night. And so I asked him if we could switch pads and he was very chivalrous and switched pads with me and he ended up suffering and I slept on the ridge rest and I was very grateful for that. So it is a step up in comfort. It's not going to be, you know, the most comfortable pad out there, but it is definitely a step up from the blue foam pads. It's bulkier than any inflatable pad that you might find for backpacking. So usually these pads end up strapped onto the outside of a pack just because of their bulk. Yeah, you'll need an extra strap to attach it onto your pack. Um, it doesn't come with a strap as far as I know. No. no. Um, I don't know if it comes with a sleeve. Mine didn't. Mine just had a plastic wrapper around it. When my pack isn't too full, I have managed to get my ridge rest inside of my pack. The way I do it is I roll it up and stick it into the large compartment of my pack, and then I let it kind of unroll inside my pack so that it creates a tube in my pack. Then all of my other gear actually just goes inside of that tube inside the pack. It works pretty well. It takes a little extra space to do it that way, but it allows me to have a nice clean aesthetic to the outside of my pack with nothing strapped on to the outside, which I like. So this really is just a solid, sturdy, effective piece of gear that if you're looking for something that's lightweight and that will last you for years and years, or if you're buying a piece of gear for children and you want it to last for years and stand up to a little bit of rough treatment, then this is a good piece of gear to invest in.
For today's backpack hack of the week, chugly crackers. Chuglies. What? You know, I could have given these a really cute name like Cheddar Crispies or Cheesy Crunchies, but these are probably the world's ugliest snack and they're so good. So to make these Chugly crackers, Chugly stands for cheddar and ugly, you slice cheddar cheese about a quarter inch thick and maybe about half inch by half inch, and you place them on a preheated non-stick pan on medium heat. What happens to the cheese is it starts to melt and then it starts to bubble and then it starts to crackle and then it caramelizes on the bottom. And when that starts to happen, then you can flip them over and let it do the same thing on the other side. And when both sides have caramelized and it's gotten really crispy, then you flip them onto a plate and let them kind of cool down and then you can package those crackers up and take them on your next backpacking trip. They get a little less crispy over time. You know, after a couple days in the bag, they kind of turn into more like chuggly jerky instead of chuggly crackers, but they're still so, so good. That caramelized cheese flavor is just amazing. We don't know exactly how many calories per ounce these things are, but I'm guessing that as you cook them, you're essentially cooking out the water from the cheese and you're maybe losing a little bit of the oil as well. But what's left, I'm sure, is packed with calories. Well, we wanted to give a little shout out to the Trails Club of Oregon. They are celebrating their 100th anniversary this month. This club was formed on October 3rd of 1915, and we'll have the link to their page in our show notes so you can go check them out. And the show notes for today are thefirst40miles.com slash 046. We'll leave you today with a little trail wisdom from our good friend on the trail, Vincent Van Gogh. This is two weeks in a row of Vincent. He's got some good stuff to say. He would have been a good, uh, good trail partner. He said, It is good to love many things, for therein lies the true strength, and whosoever loves much performs much, and can accomplish much, and what is done in love is well done. That's it for today. Thank you for listening. If you liked this podcast, follow us on Facebook and Twitter or review us on iTunes. We'll see you next time on The First 40 Miles. was mentioned as was mentioned that's like like, so the pad that we're reviewing today is the thermo reg reg (laughs) thermo reg thermo reg rest rest let's call it that